0: Good evening, Steeler fans, and welcome to another Wednesday night here on the Steel Curtain Network. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Shannon White's with me here, as always, on the Curtain Call. Every Wednesday night, we're here with you. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing great and and, uh, glad to have my
1: my brother, GB, back. And uh, uh, we we tried to trudge through the last couple weeks, but glad to have you back and glad you had a, a... a fun safe trip.
0: Oh, and we had a great time. My daughter and I both had fantastic time. Great food, great fun, lots of activities. It was it was fantastic. If anyone gets the chance, you have the chance to go down to Costa Rica and spend some time. It's a it's a marvelous, marvelous place. I loved it. Um but that's that's not what our show is about. Our show is not the uh, <laughs> the way one of the hosts traveled this those last ten days. Um But today's, we're going to talk about the strengths of the Steelers. We're going to talk about the strengths of the Steelers that are going to need to carry them to success. And what I mean by that is when you look back in in history, like obviously you have the steel curtain where it was all over the place. The Steelers Mm -hmm. had the best defensive line, they had the best linebackers, the best cornerbacks, best wide receivers, running back. Their offensive line was great. Their quarterback is a Hall of Famer. All over the place, right? You go to other times, there's not as many units. Right there's not as many things that are great like 2008. No one's going to say that Steelers offensive line was great. No one's going to give credit to running backs. You know they just weren't. We had we had a great defense, and then we had a few places where the Steelers were good. So we're looking today at when when you get into a tough game. Not no can the Steelers beat up on the small fries, but when you get into a tough game, where are the Steelers? What part of the team is going to have to carry the load? What part of the team is going to have to lead this team to success? And if we start on offense, Shannon, where would you say the very best position on this offense is, the biggest strength the team has?
1: Well, really, there's two possible answers. Um, I'm going to kind of be optimistic and say offensive line uh, because we know what the Steelers have and James Daniels and Mason Cole and the returning components. But then you add Isaac Somalu, who's an all pro left guard. I mean, just a, a, a stud, an absolute fundamentally sound. I've seen a, a chart recently that listed the top 10 interior offensive linemen. And he wasn't on the list. And I think if you, Kelsey, Jason Kelsey was number two. Even at his age, he almost retired. Yep. And I think if you asked Kelsey, he would have been on that list. Mm-hmm. And Kelsey knows. Uh, some other guys were on there, Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphreys. There's some guys that I think Somalu is farther along in his career and is even more proven and accomplished than they are. So I thought it was a little bit of a slate to him and James Daniels, honestly, because James Daniels uh, had very few penalties last year. No sacks given up. uh, And and Samalu, I think is a better player at this point in their career. So uh, I think that that interior offensive line is a real strength. And I believe that, Somalu's presence is going to make whoever's left tackle even more effective. So I, I think the stewards can match up with even the best defenses because Somalu is so adept at picking up stunts and he is so great at pass protection and, and it is a run blocker. He just has great hand usage and, and footwork and, and placement. Uh, he just, he just knows how to play and so I think that the, that has been such a huge upgrade. I fully expect the top 10 unit, if not top five unit, uh, if, if everybody stays relatively healthy.
0: I See, I agree with you there. I think a big component to the game is going to just be run blocking. Mm-hmm. Like the Steelers need to be a team, and I think they're going to be a team that if they've got a lead and they're able to do what they did last year, you know, where they were just controlling the clock on people. That's, that's a team where you're going to put some panic into people. Mm-hmm. Even if you've got like, if you've got a 10 point lead starting to the second half, they're sitting there saying we may only get three possessions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if the Steelers come down, they've got a, you know, you got a 10 point lead. They score a couple field goals. Game's over. Yeah. And yet you don't have enough time to, to do it. They're just boom, 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 marching down the field. Mm-hmm. And if we can start putting those into the end zone, then it's game over. We go into halftime yeah. with the lead. This is a team that can just run you out of the building. And I, I really I really think that offensive line is there uh, to do that. And the run blocking goes into the next category here when we talk about run blocking and controlling the game in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you agree with me. It's the tight end position. Yep, yep. And the tight end position <laughs> adds so much to the run blocking and more. Oh, yeah. Right, Shannon. Uh, oh, yeah. Give me your thoughts on our tight end position and, and where those strengths lie. Well, I had,
1: you know, I've, when they got Pat our Muth, I wasn't sure, you know, what he, because they passed on Creed Humphreys. I've got an article coming out probably tomorrow where I said that, you know, Kevin Colbert missed the mark when he took Najee Harris. Because he put the cart before the horse. And that you don't take a first round running back when you don't have an NFL caliber offensive line. And so that really put Harris in an impossible position. It put Ben and the offense, it was just a miscalculation on my part, uh, in my opinion, on Kevin Colbert's part. Uh, But now they finally rectified that. And now we should hopefully see what they actually have in Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and the rest of the offense. Um, but Pat Vermeuth, if he, if he can avoid the concussion issues, he looks like a top five tight end in the NFL. Uh, he, he is a, a solid blocker, but that he wants, you know, you want him move him around, put him in the slot, put him in, get him in mismatches. He's got great hands. He's got a great feel for the position. Then you bring back Gentry, who is a very good blocker. He's become an accomplished blocker. And he can catch the ball if need be. But they added, and you know, I'm not I don't consider Connor Hayward a tight end. I consider him an H back. So mm-hmm. you know, he he could kind of he factors into that room, but that's really not what he is. But they went out and got Darnell Washington, who, as I've said before, is not perfect for every offense, but he is for what the Steelers want to do. And he is just, you're going to have to play him a certain way. You can't go guys that can match up with speed on him because he's just going to be way bigger than him. And if you go with size, he's going to run away from him. So he's going to be a mismatch problem regardless of who the defense is. And especially if they move him around and create favorable matchups. And he's going to be a guy who's going to be a precursor prior to the snap because... He's going to force defenses to reveal their uh, formation and their plan because they have to because they can't afford to have him, you know, working an obvious mismatch because I think that's how the Steelers are going to use him. We we don't expect huge numbers, but we can expect huge plays, I believe, out of play action and in the red zone and stuff of that nature, especially he can do this from the beginning as a rookie. GB, this isn't Mm -hmm. something that. He's going to have to learn. He already is a mismatch. He's always been one, and he will continue to be one because he's just kind of a unicorn in his size and strength and speed. So that's why it was hard for me to decide between offensive line and tight end because the offensive line is out there all the time, whereas the tight end usage is going to be more specific and and won't be. I don't think as Um, I I said, I don't expect Darnell Washington to put up big numbers, especially as a rookie, but I do expect him to create havoc, chaos, mismatches, and they can play off of that. And teams being over emphasizing, stopping him to open up other areas of the offense. So, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, when you look at that division and you look at the run heavy, uh, Principles that the Steelers were wanting to go to, he was just like a gift to get him where they got him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. And and you were saying if you go size on him, yeah, right, he's going to be more athletic than them. But Shannon, how many people in the NFL on defense are Darnell Washington size? I mean, there's not many. No, no. yeah, like, like Yannick Yannick and Gakway, they're not putting Yannick and yeah, Gakway yeah. in coverage on him. Yeah, but I I had to look this up because this this is the thing to me. You know, Darnell Washington isn't polished. He's more of a blocker than a. He's not like a good route runner yet. He's shown good hands, and my goodness, his hands are huge. But like, he's got his hand can like wrap around the baller so. Oh big. yeah, massive. But if you look at his size, just his size. Versus Rob Gronkowski, he's bigger. He's taller. He's heavier. He's got longer arms, bigger hands. He's just flat out slightly bigger than Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. And when you look at their athletic profiles, right, Mm -hmm. he ran a faster 40 time. Yeah, He had better agility scores. He had a better broad jump. Like, across the board, like, if you just look at size and athleticism, Mm -hmm. Rob Gronkowski is one of the like top tight ends on that list. And Darnell Washington is just as big, a little bit bigger and just as athletic, a little bit more athletic than Rob Gronkowski was like, we're talking about lining this guy up. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Even even, he doesn't have to run good routes. You don't have to, if you're that big and you're that fast. Did you ever hear? Did you ever hear
1: anybody say Rob Gronkowski run great routes? No, we didn't. No, it's just you know, just to remember Sean Davis trying to stop him, yep. and him just throwing him out of the way and yeah. it, it standing over him, leering down at him. I mean, that's what he did to people. He just dominated him mm-hmm. just because he was physically superior. He was just bigger and stronger.
0: Yeah, No, yeah, and like. Oh, I love it! I love it! It's oh, I guess I'm so excited about this guy, right? Yeah. Because of that, like, you, like, who, how are you going to defend him? How are you going to defend him? Like, you put you put a TJ Watt on him, mm-hmm. like maybe that works. How many TJ Watts are there in the NFL? <laughs> how many defenses can afford to take a player like that and just be like, just watch that guy, because he's hard to deal with. I I think Darnell Washington really takes this group to another level mm-hmm. simply. And, and the best part is he doesn't have to be the number one guy. No. He never has no. to Mm-mm. line up in line, block, run some very simple routes. They still got to account for Pat Fryer moves. One of the, one of the things I was, I read this guy on Twitter, he's doing all this analyst analytics stuff. And he was saying one of the cheat codes in the NFL is being able to take a wide receiver and put him in the backfield and use him as a blocker. Like that is just the teams that can do that, where you've yeah. got a good receiver who come in, even if they're like one of the smallish move tight ends, but they can block. What an advantage that is because teams just don't have the ability to match up with that. And that's what I think when you get past Darnell Washington and Pat Fryerbooth, which I think has the potential to be the best two tight end tandem in the NFL other than like, maybe like Travis Kelsey and whoever, you know, like, like those guys, they're going to be one of the top groups. Yeah. Then you add in a Connor Hayward as the H back, Mm -hmm. a guy who can come back in the backfield and be a blocker, not a great one, but a good enough one. Yes. And then he can line up in the slot and we saw what he can do in the slot. Mm -hmm. We saw some, we saw some signs of that. I think this group, I'm throwing Connor Hayward back in the H-back group, H-back and tight end. I think that's the real strength of this offense. Mm-hmm. And it's going to create a lot of problems for teams, which is going to create a lot of one-on-one coverage on the outside. It's going to create a lot of stacked boxes against the running backs because you've got to do something. You've got to be able to cover these guys, but you also have to you know, stop the run when mm-hmm. they're blocking. Shannon, do you, do you think – that group, right? When you throw in Najee Harris, you throw in, like, the run game and, like, the play-action passing game with the tight ends and those. Do you do you think that's one of the top groups in the NFL for an offense to have?
1: Yeah, but I, because I, I think the Steelers had that specific plan as they progressed last year late in the season. And I hear everybody talking about records, and it was – the soft part of the schedule, but you know, it's just the Stillers happen to have a lot of their tough games at the beginning of the year. And you never know injuries happen. Teams that you think is going to have a good season. Like the Colts ended up stinking last year. You know, that, that happens every year and it'll happen this year, but the Stillers found that identity and they started looking and they're like, well, the talent that, that we have, it, it fits this style. Mm -hmm. And we're just not going to be a high-scoring offense, an explosive splash play offense. So we want to keep the ball, help our defense, and, you know, try to win low-scoring games. That made sense with Kenny Pickett as a rookie. I think we're seeing, I think we're going to see a drastically different Kenny Pickett. We heard Cam Hayward this week say that Kenny Pickett, the sky's the limit. And I know everybody wants to put physical limitations on him because he doesn't have Josh Allen's size or or Pat Mahomes' arm. But how many quarterbacks down through history, Joe Montana-esque, uh, we got Joe Burrows currently, Matt Ryan, who's been MVP. These type of quarterbacks don't have the cannon. They, they're not – they're just – all around a great intellectually advanced clutch player. Yeah. And when you watch Kenny Pickett, his commitment to the game, his work ethic, his leadership skills, he's just turned 25, just got married. He's already the leader of that offense. Uh, I think at one time we was talking about who's going to be the captain, who's going to be the leader, and we all said maybe Najee Harris. But I think it's easily Kenny Pickett. I think he is yeah. taking over the reins. It's always better if it's your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something it took Ben years to mature, too. Kenny's had it from the beginning. It's it's like Ben, we're in the green dot at inside linebacker. Some guys, it comes easy. It's natural. The communication yep. part, the the being able to multitask, that's the same thing that a quarterback has to have. And Kenny's taking on so much responsibility that he's putting it on himself. Hey, if the, if the Stewards are approved this year, you know, it's up to me. And you'll hear him say it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he's not like, well, you know, trying to throw it off on the teammates or say, well, you know, it's up to Canada if he calls this or that. You know, he's going to take that responsibility. And um, so I'm just really excited because I don't compare the Stewards to other teams. I mean, you, you know, if you, tr- if you try to compare Kenny Pickett to a lot of these other guys, he's not going to compare favorably in certain athletic abilities, but he's very mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, he moves and he has a, an instinct to move around in the pocket. Uh, he has a very good army. It's not great, but it's very, very good. Again, he always reminded me of Joe Montana, you know, for a Hall of Fame comparison, and then Joe Burrows right now. and. uh the Bengals, I was thinking about this today. The Bengals, they selected Jamar Chase because they knew what they had in yeah. Joe Burrows. And, you know, everybody else didn't. You know, it's like we got hurt and, you know, they were a mm-hmm. terrible team. And, but they knew that if he rehabs that knee, we got us our guy. And they knew Jamar Chase was special. They knew they had that connection. Everybody was talking about Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison isn't that special type of receiver like Chase was. And the Bengals realized that. And they they put the cart before the horse a little bit. And that their offensive line wasn't very good either. But they got a generational type talent, yeah. which I don't think anybody's going to say Najee Harris is. So they realize you don't ever hear anybody say, well, Joe Burrow doesn't have the biggest arm. His arm ain't as good as Mahomes, or his, you know, because he's just a winner. Mm -hmm. He's cool, calm, and collected. And I, and I really believe that if you build this offense the way they're doing it, and put Kenny Pickett in that same scenario, you're going to see a lot of them same qualities: being calm, cool, and collected, being clutch, and being a winner. And in Pittsburgh, that's all they expect. You know, it isn't about Monster numbers, like we're talking about Darnell Washington, his numbers might look pedestrian, but his impact is going to be huge. Yeah, uh, if you have a top uh running game and, and tight end group, it's going to make the wide receivers even more efficient and effective. So it all plays together because they're building a team and hopefully a championship caliber roster. They're not so much worried about focusing on a particular superstar here and there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I – and we we talk about – you're talking about Joe and Jamar Chase. I look at Kenny Pickett, and the difference between a Kenny Pickett and a Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, we've seen it, he doesn't have to have the best talent around it. No. Right? He can elevate no. players yes. really well. Kenny might not be as much that guy, especially early on. Even mm-hmm. – like – Like Ben Roethlisberger early on, he didn't make Hines Ward a good receiver. He wasn't making Plexico Burris a good receiver. They were helping him more Mm -hmm. than he was helping them, but he had the talent. He just needed that little bit of help. You know, Kenny Pickett, I think, is in that situation where he's got good talent. He's got good awareness. He's got a great aggressive nature. He's got a playmaker's (laughs) instinct. He just needs a little help. We saw that... I, I'm doing a vertex on the New York Jets game when he came in at halftime mm. and the guy was throwing downfield. He was being aggressive. His play was he was trying to make plays. The problem yeah. was his first throw, you know, he had a guy who all he had to do was go up and catch the ball and she used, used his giant 6'4", 238-pound frame to seal a 5'8 defender out of the play, and he didn't do it. Nope. He, didn't do it. He, he let him straight in. Uh, nope. I'll, I, I don't want to get into it, man. I, but, but I watched I watched that play again, and he's running across the field, and he jumps downfield. He jumps away from the throw yeah. and reaches out like this. And it, the guy who deflects it is backwards, yeah. reaching up behind his head. And I'm like, dude, your shoulder should be where his arm is, and your hands should be mm-hmm. here. That should have been an easy catch. He was trying to catch it down here. Yeah, he's yeah. jumping away from the yeah. play and trying to catch it out here. And he, he, he not like, like my argument there was, it, it wasn't that he didn't protect the catch. He put the defender's hand in the play. Yes, yes. He put the defender in this play with the choice he made and ended up an interception. The interception to Pat Fryermuth, that they threw later, he threw on the sideline and kind of threw over his head on that play. You know where Chase Claypool was? In the exact same spot he was on the earlier play, Kenny Pickett saw it and just looked away. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's in his first, he's in his first half game of plays. Yeah, right. He's thrown maybe ten passes at this point, but you know what he knows he's not going to do? Throw it to Chase Claypool downfield. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm not, I might not making that mistake. <laughs> I, honestly, I think after that New York Jets game if anyone had made the offer Chicago made to trade for, it would have been right then. They would have given him right then. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. Like it was like, Nope, that's, that's not going to work. And in the, that same game, he threw a couple passes to a man named George Pickens who came down with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that really like you, that's, that's where I look for this season is we, we know we got a tight end. We know we got offensive line. That's got to lead the way Mm -hmm. the run game. The tight ends, the play action, that's got to set things up. But where are these Steelers, where this offense is going to thrive, to me, is pick it to Pickens. Or yeah. in the uh, for the Mexican commentators, pick it up, Pickens! <laughs> I mean, those... That was good! <laughs> right? Those back shoulder throws? Those back shoulder throws are monstrous. If you're trying to keep George Pickens behind you, and not let him get in front of you, those back shoulder throws are killer. If you're trying to trail technique, he's going to throw it over you. Like, if those two really get going, uh, Shannon, where where do you think they could land? Do you think this could be a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase kind of relationship with these two? Because it seems like they've got, even with, with Pickens not really understanding how to run routes in the NFL, not being great at it. I don't think he ever had to take running routes seriously at Georgia. And, like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're in this situation. Kenny's not quite ready for the NFL. Pickens wasn't ready for the NFL. And they still put up the highest quarterback rating between two rookies in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Like, at least since the 60s. I don't touch the 60s. Those stats are crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that's insane. Do you think they can really build on that? you think this they can be – like we're saying, a strength that carries this team, or do you think they're going to be at the level where if this other stuff is drawing attention, that's going to be that's going to be too much for the you know it's going to be the like the straw that broke the camel's back a little too much for defenses to handle along with the run game.
1: Well, that picket to Pickens combination has mad potential. The only thing that concerns me is we see Kenny Pickett's work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just on display. You you don't have to. You just click any time and you'll see him working out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not seeing that with Pickens. I, I'm not. I'm not hearing the things I want to hear about you know him getting with a a guy like Calvin Marshall or or you know somebody who has a similar physique and athletic profiles him, and saying how did you get better. How did you improve your footwork? How did you improve your route running? You know, I've heard heard him say that, you know, a 50-50 ball is really an 80-20 ball. You know, and I love that confidence, but you're not going to take your game to the next level where his talent is capable of taking him with 50-50 balls. He has to improve his route running, his consistency, his effort level. Whereas if that play starts to break down, Kenny Pickett looks for him. You like like uh being looked for Hines Ward and being looked for Antonio Brown. You yep. knew they were still moving, they were still getting in position to give you an open throwing lane. Right now, I don't think Pickett feels that way about Pickett's. Last year, when you would go back and watch the games, it looked like when he started being flushed. He was looking for Friar Muth mm-hmm. as that guy that's going to be where he should be. Even Harris, he would look for him as an outlet. I did not see him look for his receivers because we know that Johnson would stop just like Claypool used to before yep. they traded him. And Pickens, if he wasn't was the primary option and he was an equal, he ran half-effort. Half Half-speed routes. And that's something that Randy Moss used to do. And it used to really infuriate people. He didn't do that when he was with New England because he had Tom Brady to hold him accountable. When he went to the Raiders, he did the half-speed routes.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So if Pickett's commits to being a top receiver, he's going to be a top receiver. And he will be Kenny Pickett's guy. Yeah, I have no doubt, but it's really going to come down to how bad does George Pickens want to be a great player. That's something all the greats have is they have that hunger and that passion to be great. If he does, I think he will be because he is just that talented. Where I'm really encouraged is Allen Robertson. When mm-hmm. the Steelers traded for him, I thought, man, why are they trading for this guy? His best seasons was three years ago. But if you go back and you watch, you know, especially like last year, I mean, there was a dumpster fire in L.A. You know, they went all in to win the Super Bowl, and then it all fell apart. And even with Stanford getting hurt, that was the end right there. But he never got a chance to develop any chemistry. He was really an excellent receiver for multiple years with Mitch Trubisky and Foles and some of these guys throwing him the ball. Yep. If you watch, he still knows how to settle, find openings. And the maturity he showed while he has really been working at OTAs and minicamp with Pickens. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be able to say, hey, Rook, you know, look at the numbers that he's accomplished in his career. He said, listen, Rookie, you know, you're better than I ever was. You're more talented, but you're going to have to do this and this and work on this. And so he's gonna be invaluable there because that's not Deontay Johnson. He's not that kind of guy, no.
0: that
1: kind of leader and instructs instructive guy. You know what he what he's capable of doing isn't gonna help Pickens, but Robinson can. But where Robinson's impressed me most is his connection that he has with Pickett. He's at the wedding, he's up there working out with him in New Jersey. I figured mm-hmm. he tried to go on the honeymoon with him. I mean <laughs> Allen Robertson wants to win. He wants to create that bond and that connection because he knows what it's like to have that. Whereas when that quarterback's in trouble, he's looking for you. Mm -hmm. And, and, And you're going to be there and he can get on you. I think that he's going to be way more valuable than I realized when the Steelers initially traded for him. And that's been one of my most encouraging signs that I've seen it, Mini camp and OTAs is I think Allen Robinson could turn out to be one of the best acquisitions this offseason.
0: All right, I I agree. I, I love I love the Allen Robinson acquisition as well. Uh, I think we're I think we're gonna stop there with the offense. I think we did pretty good here, and we're gonna take our break. And when we get back, we're gonna look at the strengths on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Stay tuned, and we will be right back. Welcome back, Steeler fans. Welcome back to the Curtain Call. Uh, if you're listening to this on podcast, if you're watching us here, just know Steel Curtain Network has you covered for everything Steelers, everything Steelers-related, all off season long, into the new season, always. We're your, we are your place for Steelers coverage. Steelers talk, whatever you want to know, <laughs> we got it. Uh, Shannon, we look at the defense. Does any unit, single position, stand out to you as being uh, significantly better than other ones and one of the top, potentially one of the top units in the NFL? Well,
1: I no, mean you agree on this because we talked about it a little bit before the podcast. Um, it has to be Edge. When you have, um, when healthy, the defensive player of the year, you have a emerging star uh, the ultimate Robin to T.J.'s Batman and Alex Highsmith you bring in Marcus Golden a guy who's just a, a hard-nosed effort guy you know that you can count on he he will give you pressures he will mm-hmm. flush quarterbacks uh, he can set an edge it's it's you know, you wasn't here when we talked about Clark Haggins, and, and I know that how much you respected him as a player as well. And But when you thought about Clark Higgins, he wasn't as athletic and as strong as Joey Porter, but he was reliable and dependable and just a true professional. And I think you're the stores are getting kind of a doppelganger of Clark Higgins and Marcus Golden uh, in that he is a guy that, there's not going to be a huge drop-off. You know, in the past years, like last year, when they had to bring in Reed, Malik Reed, he was just so small. He was too small to fit as a Steelers' edge guy. You bring in uh, Jameer Jones. Jameer Jones was strong and he could set an edge, but he was not a pass rusher. And so there was a huge drop, step down, if Watt was out or... Uh, Highsmith had to, you know, he filled in for Highsmith. Well, now they've got some quality there. And then you even got Nick Herbig, who is a guy that has been picking TJ's brain at Wisconsin for a while. And when you see him play, it's like hairs on fire, just all out, go, 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 you know, energizer bunny type uh, effort. And, you could do a lot with it. He might not get the sack, but he might run all the way around the arch and get the sack because he'll never stop. Yep. And it won't be that, you know, stand and waltz with the, you know, the offensive lineman, he will get around him, under him, through him, whatever he's got to do. So I think that's a very strong unit and the strongest unit on the stores defense right now.
0: Yeah. It, Nick Herbig and, uh, watching this stuff reminds me a little bit of Bud Dupree. I mean, he's not the size <laughs> Bud was or the athleticism, yeah. And he, I think he has some better pass rush moves, but you see those plays where like Bud would get pushed beyond the arc (laughs) and then just out hustle the guy to get back into the play and end up with a sack. Like that's how Bud Dupree got stuff. That's how I think Nick Herbert could be an impact player for this defense and small amounts of snaps. Yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. And I also think they can do some creative things with him because you know, hustle doesn't know positions. Hustle doesn't Hustle isn't saying, well, I gotta be outside here to work the spin move and I got the counter to that. Or you just put him anywhere. Just put him anywhere and let him work hard. He's gonna do it. Uh I, I of course agree with you. I think Alex Highsmith is one of the most well-rounded edge rushers in the NFL. He's yeah, got a cool. lot of smart moves. He's a real he's really smart in how he deploys rush moves. He's got that, he's got some really good ones. He's got the the like the the ghost move. He, he's got he's got a wicked little spin move. Yes. He's got a lot yeah. of different ways he can beat guys. He doesn't have TJ Watts athleticism. No. He's never going to. But he what he has is a big repertoire and the ability to use it smartly. And he's another hustle guy. He does everything well. Those outside linebackers, they're the strength there. Oh, yeah. They're the strength there. And here's here's your here's the question for you, Shannon. Do they need do the Steelers need those edge rushers and the defensive line, you know, that, that gets a little easier matchups because of them to put the pressure on the quarterback with what they have behind that front line?
1: Well, the, the way the Steelers 3-4 is set up, um it's a little different now in that for the last few years they have asked and allowed at one time that it was not even hardly allowed under Lebeau, but they wanted the guys, the defensive line to penetrate and to win their blocks, to get in the backfield. And uh, so their pass rush is, it's invaluable for the Steelers defense. And I think it's been harder for them to get home in recent years because they haven't had, the ability to match up and press coverage on the backside, so teams were getting the quick outlet passes and the the quick curls and and dumping it off to their, their running backs and and it kept the Steelers' pass rush from getting home uh, even more than they would have because there was a lot of times T.J. Watt won his you know his rep clean came open but they they dumped it you know flipped it over him. Uh, of course, he, sometimes he'd jump up and intercept that, as we know. But uh, it this, this year, I think the Steelers started to see this and it becomes such a trend. And I think that's why they went to the secondary like they have and they're going to more press coverage concepts because they know if they can hold up just a little bit longer and not give that quarterback that instant outlet it's going to allow that pass rush to get home more often
0: yeah yeah if you i and when you when you look beyond that when you look at those guys when you look at the people we're talking about in coverage how i don't, I don't know how how good how quick does joey porter jr need to be a guy that's not just capable, but a guy that is a strength. Like if he doesn't get there this season, what does that mean for the Steelers defense? If Joey Porter Jr. in his rookie season is all right, you know, kind of starter level, but kind of growing into it. If we're going, if we're talking like Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, are our best two corners, where does that leave the Steelers defense behind that pass rush? well,
1: when we think of the guys that we all consider cornerback one material, they, even as a rookie, there's always growing pains, Mm -hmm. but you see the talent, you see what makes them cornerback one material and they'll flash and they'll improve as the season goes along. Uh, If that doesn't happen, uh, this year with Joey Porter Jr., one, I'll be shocked. Two, I'll be concerned. Because he's in a great situation that they do have Peterson and Wallace. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, and he's going to be able, I think the, what the Steelers want to do, and one reason they wanted Kazee back is to have Kazee and um, Fitzpatrick to play uh, that deep Coverage and kind of give them protection while they're pressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. I think that's why you can see some Corey Trace being utilized some as well. Because as long as you have protection behind him, he knows that you know he he can feel safe to press, and 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 that'll bring out that confidence. Because both of them young men are exceptional press corners. So I don't necessarily need to see Joey Porter Jr. starting this year. But I need to see him flash. I need to see uh, those plays that you say, okay, that's cornerback one material, and that you you know you see his where he's destined to be one. Yeah, because it's cornerback is to me is a lot like running back in that it's such a natural instinctive position, and you'll see guys come in and even if they're drafted later, in, say fourth fifth round. If they've got that ability and that instinct and that confidence, they they make an uh, impact immediately. And uh, and I think that's what we're going to see out of Joey Porter Jr. I
0: I hope so, man. I really hope so. I I have a feeling, man. I it's it's the right time of year to be optimistic, isn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I like I I fell in love with Corey Trice's film he's the kind of quarterback I really like and man I can't help but think if they hit on both of these you know Corey Trice was a lottery ticket He's just you you got a few bucks left over and you buy yeah. a you buy a lottery ticket that's Corey Trice that's where he was drafted that's that's who he is on this team if they hit on that and they hit on Joey Porter jr oh, this year cool. next year the year after that this team is gonna be really really good. They're just going to be really hard to face with those cornerbacks. I'm excited. You were talking about, you know, DeMonte Kazee, Minka Fitzpatrick. They're talking about using uh, Patrick Peterson similarly to how they used Cameron Sutton, Mm -hmm. where they moved him around. I'm thinking, (laughs) like, think think about a dime situation where you've got two deep safeties, but it's Patrick Peterson on one side and it's DeMonte Kazee on the other, and then up in the middle, you've got Minka Fitzpatrick. The only thing you can do is throw outside mm-hmm. or like, where are you going with that ball? You've got three ball Hawks mm-hmm. on the field, just waiting for you to test them. You're going to have these guys be able to play press and, and know that like, if you get beat to the inside or over the top, you're good. You've yeah. got that help. Uh, so man, like facing the Bengals where they, they go. I mean, the Steelers ran dime, like almost every snap against the Bengals. Cause the Bengals, the Bengals aren't going out of 11 personnel and they're going to four wide receivers a lot too. Like they, they're not, they're not playing around. They know where their strength is. They go a Mm. lot of wide receivers and let Joe Burrow carve up your defense. But this year Steelers defense might be like, Ooh, thanks guys. That's like, that's our best formation. That's where we, Mm. you know, that's where we want to be Levi Wallace, Patrick Peterson, Corey Trice, Joey Porter jr. And we're talking like by week 12, Week thirteen of the season before we're facing the Bengals, we, we don't have to worry about this right off the bat. Yeah, I I think the secondary has a chance to become a strength, and a big part of the reason is you've got talent. We we've seen that Demonte is mm-hmm. a, a great deep ball safety, great deep zone guy. Patrick Peterson, he's going to the Hall of Fame. its Patrick. He's in the discussion for one of the best safeties in the NFL. And then you've got some very physically talented young players around them. That's just – I think it could be a great situation. I think by late in the season, they could be a strength, especially with a guy like Terrell Austin, whose coverage schemes, mm-hmm. in my opinion, are top-notch. And I, I, I just love to see it. I think – I think you look around Steelers Nation, there's not the fear there has been in the past about the Steelers drafted cornerback. You know, there's there's another bust. It's Mm -hmm. another Artie Burns, Doran Grant. Like you can go through the list (laughs) all the way back. It's not good. No. And I don't think we quite feel that with Joey Porter Jr. and even Corey Trice. There's expectations and there's hope. Do you think that do you think the Steelers are turning the corner here? Do you think this is it?
1: Well, I've always Said for years, you know, sign them in free agency, don't trade me. for, them, but don't draft them. Yep. But it's a different regime, it's a different scouting department, it's a different mindset, and just by selecting Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trace, it, it's a it's obviously they're going in a different direction, so therefore, I feel very encouraged because I've said now for two years. That the secondary is too slow. it they're, they're, It's too limiting. Now they've got creativity, versatility. Like you said, you can move uh, Peterson around and use him. You know, I love that with him and with uh, Peterson and Kazee Deep and let, you know, Fitzpatrick roam and ball hawk in the middle. And I mean, it, it's, they haven't had this capability. They couldn't go zero personnel and because and, they couldn't press, you couldn't yeah. trust any of the guys. Like to this day, you don't want Wallace up in a press position and not get hands on the guy. If he yeah. misses, he's toast. Yeah, but so there might be some penalties this year, you know, a holding penalty, defensive holding. Hey, take it, I'll take it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, depending on, you know, I don't want it on third and long but let's say it's an earlier down or something like that, you know, don't give up the long touchdown, you know, but they can't call everything. We've seen teams do it to the Steelers for years Mm -hmm. and they get away with a lot of the arm, you know, grab the wrist here or Jersey pull there. And I think now the Steelers have guys who can press effectively. And we're, we're going to see a shift, a defensive shift in, in coverage. It not only in, flexibility but creativity so i'm really encouraged by it uh and I and I, i'm like you i'm not as scared uh you know when i i wanted them i did not want joey porter jr in the first round yeah but where they got him i'm thrilled and and i feel even better back because he wasn't a first rounder so he, you know even that part that worry or or dread was gone because he wasn't a first rounder.
0: Yep. Well, I, w- I want to put this together because I there's a vision on this team, to me, of what the Steelers want to be. And it kind of comes together. When you look early in a game, w- what we need, we need Kenny Pickett to make some plays. Yes. But we need to establish the run. This team is going to mm-hmm. establish the run. So you take it right off the bat. You get some points, right? The defense is going to give up some points. They've got some youth out there. They're going to make some mistakes. You know, Joey Porter Jr. is going to get burned at some point, get called for a big penalty. Stuff's going to happen like that. But over time, that pass rush gets home. You get a splash play on defense. You get an interception from Minka Fitzpatrick. You get an any of those guys. You get a big pass breakup on third down from Patrick Peterson. That kind of stuff's going to happen. And then you're going to see the Steelers. Again, if they get into halftime with a lead, yeah, right, then then you got this offense just turn into Najee Harris and Jalen Warren taking turns, looking like I, I mean, ideally, like Jerome Bettis and Deuce Daly. If you, if people remember two thousand and four, Jerome Bettis and Deuce mm-hmm. Daly alternating four and five yard runs. Yeah. Those games, if you're the the win where they snapped New England's winning streak at home, and they just came in and it was just four yards. Four yards, five yards, three yards, five yards, four yards. He's ran down the field. Mm-hmm. He's ran and then randomly on second and six. Ben's chucking it deep to Pelxigo Burris or Heinz Ward. He's, he's throwing a 20-yard pass. Mm-hmm. It it was just brutal to watch. Lovely if you were a Steeler fan. Yeah. And I think this offense is getting kind of in that direction. That's what the Steelers are going towards. And then you look at this defense again. If they have to go four cornerbacks and three safeties, they can do it. Mm -hmm. They can put seven defensive backs out there and you're looking at them, you're saying, well, that's not a bad group. Mm -hmm. And they're not small and they're not unathletic. Like James Pierre is your number five cornerback. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Like, I, I think this team is really built to kind of win a war of attrition. And then once they start to win it, bury teams. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're pushing the ball downfield against Patrick Peterson, DeMonte Kazee, and Minka Fitzpatrick. And you've got T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cameron Hayward. You got those guys just pinning their backs and coming for you. Mm-hmm. I think that is where this Steelers team is going to really shine. Is if they get up on you and they can run the ball – it's going to be a long, brutal afternoon.
1: Yeah. I don't know if – it's one of your uh, – near and dear to your heart is the defensive line. Oh, yeah. And somebody asked me the other day, what did I think? And I said, I think the Steelers have really upgraded their defensive line. Uh, and why I say that is we know what Cam Hayward is and what he's going to give you. But yep. you got Larry Ogajobi, hopefully fully healthy, a full season with the Steelers under his belt. I expect him to be even better. You replace a Montrevious Adams, who was really not a nose tackle at all, and a Tyson Alulu, who was on his last leg, with Brandon Fahoku and Keanu Benton. Mm-hmm. Now you also bring in Armand Watts, who I believe is an upgrade on Chris Wormley. The reason I believe this is if you watch Armand Watts, another guy, like I said earlier about golden Armand Watts is a professional. He fulfills his responsibilities each snap. He can give you run defense. He can give you some pressure. He is a guy who will excel is in a backup role and i believe that he is going to be an asset there you're, towards the end of mini camp you started to hear some people mention him this is not when he's going to shine he's going to shine when the training camp rolls around in preseason and the pads go on same thing with fahoku in that he is a guy that is just going to tie blockers he's not spectacular but he's just so steady and such a great run defender. But where I see the biggest upgrade is Benton. Because Benton, and I know Nick Faribault mentioned it recently in in an article, and I think he even mentioned something about it on our show. We talked about it, that Benton, when you look at him, you can't tell what position he is. Yeah. I mean, he is only a nose tackle in the fact that he can play defensive tackle. But if you look at him, you really couldn't tell. Is he an edge guy? Because he is put together. Mm-hmm. He is so physically opposing. Uh, in shape, uh, low body fat, very muscular. Moves like a, uh, you know, like a fullback, of the way, or a tight end. The way he's so fluid in his movements. I think that he hasn't developed his pass rush repertoire. But get him with Hayward. And I think you're going to see that be a real asset to him moving forward. Um, It would not shock me if he's not a starter uh, at some point this season at nose tackle and down the line be the guy who would start in Hayward's place. I don't think he's going to stay at nose tackle, but I think they got him a steal because it's funny in the draft process after Carter, Carter, who was you know generational talent, but also a generational head case and a very big concern. But you knew he was going top ten. After him, the guy in highest defensive line was Benton. So for the Steelers to get him like they did, where they did, that that was just a, a
0: very fortunate selection. Absolutely. Uh and and the best thing about him is. Yeah, I I think it's a similar situation, a little bit like the offensive line where the defensive line didn't get better in the starting spots. It's Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah, yeah, right. That's that's who it is, but the depth is better, yeah. much better than it was last year. Where, like you were saying, Tyson Alualu played a lot of snaps. He was not the same guy. No, Montrevius Adams, Montrevius Adams can go back to being a guy who gives you really good rotational snaps yeah. and not being a guy who has to anchor a line, right? That's, and that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And again, if you, if you look at what the Steelers offense did in the second half of the season, when that defensive line really came together and came together and formed what ended up nearly like a top 10 run defense yeah. in the NFL there, the basis of that was, keeping those backups off the field, Mm -hmm. limiting the total snaps. Cameron Hayward played fewer total snaps. And the number of snaps where he was off the field declined by like, like it was like two thirds or 75%. It was crazy Mm -hmm. how much they cut the snaps. He was not on the field. And that's, that's what you need to do again. And that's why I think, I I think you're kind of seeing the Steelers build towards this team where they've got depth on the offensive line. They've got, they got, got, a run game that's going to be kind of brutal to deal with because they want to control that clock of the second half. They don't want this game to be Cameron Hayward taking a lot of snaps. Mm-mm. They want to save that guy. They He's 13 years in the NFL <laughs> playing defensive line. That's not easy. And he's doing it and he's playing fantastic. I'm not going to doubt that he can continue it, but you don't want to test that. Like no. you don't want to play games with that. Uh eventually but it's thankfully, happen, but a very sad day when it does.
1: Thankfully, he really didn't play a lot his first two years. Yeah, he didn't. So, you know, we're you kind of give mean, him a little bit maybe a longer life, shelf life, where he didn't yeah. play a lot that first two years.
0: Well, also I think and I think he hasn't had a lot of injuries, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. He's had a couple, but I, not much. I, yeah. It's like what was it? 2016 was the only time he missed like more than one or game or two. That's it. That's well, the only that time he really bicep, time.
1: torn bicep, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he has stayed healthy. I mean, hopefully it hopefully it holds up. Hopefully he plays until he's 45. Hopefully, yeah. he plays with, hopefully, hopefully he's he's making pro bowls when he's older <laughs> than Tom Brady. Um you're saying he's the Tom Brady. Of the defensive line? I, I mean, <laughs> uh, look at Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's a generational talent. He came in the league after Cameron Hayward. He's already like, oh, you know, I think I'm done. I think yeah. I'm pretty close to being done. Cameron Hayward. Yeah, Hayward's but he's like, got
1: a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Man. I, that, that, there you got me right there because I'm thinking if this team. That's my question really for this team is, can they get and become a Super Bowl contender before Cameron Hayward's done? I hope. Because oh man, if they could get Cameron Hayward a Super Bowl, yeah. that that would be it. I I think he's closing in on the Hall of Fame without it. Yeah. But that would be that would be that would be the nail in the that would be the final straw. That would be it. That'd put him over. It, the top.
1: it would be it'd be beautiful, just like the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, in his last game winning the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be something if Hayward
0: could walk away that way? That'd be something. All right, Shannon. We're I think we're good for today <laughs> for our show. Uh, covered a lot of stuff today. We got through yeah. it. I, I, I'm so excited for this Steelers season coming up. There's this this team looks so much better. And and always and always at this time, it's optimism. And and you have to give the qualification of on paper. But man, does this team have that feel about it? Mm-hmm. That something special is coming. Something good is coming from this team. And it's going to be an exciting season. On behalf of Shannon and I, thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I've been doing this four years now. I was talking to Shannon. We, I, we, I started writing for the site four years ago. I've been doing a couple of years of podcasting. It's been a lot of fun. It's a great – thank you, thank you so much. You are the reason we get to do this. Come here and talk football with you. Thank you for that. Make sure you're checking out. All the other podcasts on the Steel Curtain Network, all your Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. If you've got other teams you cheer for, check out Fans for Sports Network. See if we got you covered there. We got a lot of teams, a lot of teams being added, new stuff being added there. Uh, That's a growing platform. Check it out. See what they have for you. Um, But as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. And let's go, Steelers.